Welcome to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast, where you hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of how real estate agents overcame challenges and grew their business. Check out the episode notes at crushitinre.com slash podcast. Now here's your host, Lindsay Favaza. Welcome back to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. I am sitting here today with Lisa Gray. She's out of our Lamaki Realty Chelmsford office. She has been in the business now since July of 2018. She's licensed both in New Hampshire and in Massachusetts. And so far this year, 26 sales, three pending, and we are recording this in mid-September. So I am so excited to have you on here. And I just want to say, before you even say hello, that when I asked her to be on the podcast, she was so humbled and I was so shocked because you absolutely deserve to be sitting in that seat today, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. She's already. She's still. She's I'm, humbled and she's I'm blushing. I'm blushing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you. Um, you have four kids. I do. Married. You have yep. three children. You have quite a lot going on. So, let's back up into why you decided to get into real estate in the first place, and when that happened. What was that transition like for you? Yeah. So, I like you said, I got into the business in July of 2018. Prior to that, I was a real estate paralegal for off and on for about 20 years, you know, had the kids, you know, so touch and go with that. But I off and on for 20 years, I was a real estate paralegal and I was not a fan of just sitting behind a desk all day because I am a super people person. And so I would love these clients, you know, talk to them on email, help them. And I felt like I was helping them with a really important part of their, you know, next chapter. But I would meet them literally for five minutes to put them in the conference room to meet with the attorney. And then I just felt like there was no connection. And I love, like I said, I love people. I love helping. So I just decided one day that I was going to take the the jump. And, you know, real estate, obviously working off straight commission is very scary. But I was like, I'm just going to go all in. Um, Obviously, like having my husband was good because it was I was able to do it. You know, you had that support. I had a little bit of the support. So I was able to take that take that leap. And you know, it was scary, but I, I was happy with it. I loved it, you know, and no looking back. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we'll, we are very glad you didn't look back. <laughs> um, so 2018 in July, you started, you started here with us in October of 2021. So coming up on a year. Yeah. So tell me about these first couple of years of real estate for you and kind of how it went, how you kind of navigated getting into the business. Yeah. So I the, actually, the, the brokerage I started with my real estate agent that helped me buy my house, she was actually honestly the reason that I kind of did take that plunge when I did, because she kept saying to me throughout our whole transaction, like, why don't you do this? Why don't you sell? And I'm like, I can't work off commission. So I joined the brokerage that she was at. Um, and, but she was like not hiring a team. So she, I was a solo agent and you know, they do a lot of training and, but I just felt like for me, I just, I didn't have that. Um, like I didn't really know that many people, even though you feel like, you know, a million people, but when it comes down to buying and selling real estate, you're like, I don't know anybody. (laughs) And so I just kind of struggled for a while because I just was like taking everything in training, everything I could. I always kind of have the mindset of like staying a student and it's still even to this day because yeah. I feel like it's not that I'm learning necessarily from the person that's training, but you're hearing the experiences of others. So for me, it's like I go to every training, like you can never be too good for that. And so um, I 
kind of struggled, went through all the trainings, and then I did have some seals. I think I sold my first year in 2018, I had one seal, and I was so proud you of it. You were so excited. I was literally, it was just, I remember it, it was December 20th, and it was like, I literally still to this day, like, they're on, we're friends on Facebook, and I'm like, they were my first people, yeah. you know, and um, they had no idea that I was brand new, and, but it was, that kind of helped me, like, know, like, okay, I can do this. And then I think I said earlier to you, I was, my first listing was actually in January of 2019. And it was literally a person that I would see every day in the coffee, in the coffee shop. And I would wear my name tag and so important. which was kind of dorky, but I hey. didn't care. Cause I was like, I didn't know how else to market myself. Let your you know? dork flag my fly, fly if it means exactly. you're getting a listing. <laughs> exactly. So one day he was like, are you a realtor? I was like, yes. And then Basically, I got his listing. I ended up selling his house. And then um, I did actually, I had a rental in the winter of 2018. And that person referred me to like their uncle. So like, that's kind of how it started being like word of mouth. But then I just kind of just felt like I was stuck and I was alone. Even though I was in a brokerage, it wasn't, it wasn't like a team motto. And it was just, it was very, I was lonely. You know what I mean? Like I just felt like you're I a people person. I it am a people person. And having kind those of, connections. It yeah. literally was the same thing. Like I felt like I would just go and like other people were already very established. And here I am like, Hey, you know what I mean? I so yeah. I ended up joining a team within that brokerage and um, I was there for about nine months. The, unfortunately with that team, I, it was so far away that she was actually based out of like the Lemonster area. So it was just too far of a drive for me. I live in Tuxbury. So for me, it was like, it was great. I learned a ton from her, but then it was just the, like I was going further and further and further out yeah. West. And I was like, I cannot be driving an hour and a half to showings. And then, you know, it just wasn't possible. With gas prices the way they are now yeah. too. You would have definitely been wouldn't crazier. have been able to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I did learn a lot and I liked, I felt like I liked that team, the team setting. So I knew at that point, that's what I was looking for. So a friend of mine was on a different team closer to home. And so she's like, you should come just talk to, you know, these people. And I said, okay, absolutely. So I was there for about a little over two years and I loved having, I loved the team aspect of like, again, the people, the connection, the culture. Um, but then I also felt there, like, I just, I felt like after the two years, I got so much experience that I almost felt like I needed a little bit more and I almost felt ready to go back on my own. So it was kind of like, it at that yeah, it was point. like kind of like full circle, which is kind of crazy to me. Cause you know, you think, okay, this is where I'm always, I'm always going to be in this team setting. But then you realize that like, you know, again, not saying you're the smartest person in the room, but when you're doing trainings for people yeah. and people are coming to you to ask the questions, you think to yourself, okay, I'm not going to learn anything more. Did if I I'm the one this small yeah, pool? If I'm know? the one who's yeah. answering all the questions, like Absolutely. I want to be the one asking the questions again. So yep. that's why I, um, another person who came to La Macchia around the same time as me, she is the one who introduced me to La Macchia. And I will honestly say I... I didn't really um, like know much about it because yeah. I just I was like kind of like tunnel vision with I was just doing my work. Yeah. So I met with the recruiter here and everything that I was kind of missing and everything that I thought would help me as far as becoming a solo agent again was like here. And I was like, OK, I can do this. Like Next I step. can definitely yep. do this on my own. And here I am. And I absolutely love and it. And you're doing it. And I am doing it on my own. And it's kind of crazy to me because I, I think everyone, everyone, I don't care who you are, everyone has doubt, self-doubt and feels like, oh, it's kind of, I almost, I almost had the feelings of like when I left being a real estate paralegal coming to, you know, working off straight commission, I kind of felt like that again. I was like, okay, this is going to be scary, but I know what I have to do. And how quickly did that kind of subside? Because I mean, you started to get a lot of 
business and sales. When was your first sales here? So I actually, I, it was funny because I had a listing pretty much right away and it was somebody again, word of mouth. And so I brought it, like I, I listed it pretty much as soon as I got here. So I did have one in December of 20 and you know, when I first got her in December, 2021 was when that closed. And that just kind of, I think helped me to just be like, okay, I can do this. And then you know, in that time, I, I feel like I was a little bit lucky when I joined because I joined in October, which to me is kind of sometimes can be a little bit of a slow period anyways. So I gave myself a little bit of slack knowing like, okay, it's the holidays. It's slow season. Yeah, yeah. it's slow season. It's the holidays. I'm just going to learn all the systems and kind of figure out how I can do this on my own. And then um, come January, it just, it kind of snowballed from there. Like just the calls I was making for those two months and the people I was trying to connect with. And then I just, you know, my January had two February, I had one, March, I had one. And then like my April, it was like, boom, like that's the one thing that I feel like I struggle with. And I'm, if there's anyone out there that struggles with this, the whole roller coaster. Like if you look at like my dashboard of sales, it's like, boom, boom, boom. It I mean, up and down, up and down, up and, up and down. down. Yeah, yeah. And I would love to just be that like, you know, sailing agent that just kind of like does like, I do five this month, five. It's just, it was yeah. like two, seven, one, nine. And I'm like, what is, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're but happy, I, you're sad. You're yeah, happy, you're sad. Exactly. But I feel like for me too, I do actually thrive off of kind of like chaos and I'm a really good multitasker. I was a single mom of four kids. So it wasn't yeah. just like I had four kids. I was a single mom yeah. of four. So I had to, it was, my life was constant chaos and I had to keep it under control. And so I do feel like those busier months, I actually feel like I'm calmer in the slow months, I feel like I'm stressed out because I'm like, oh my God, I like, I've, what am I doing? You know what, what I mean? So, what, what's happening in the pipeline? Yeah. What, how do I build it up? Yeah. So I feel like the when I have more time to think, it's dangerous. <laughs> exactly. Because you can get into your own head too. No, and I have, I definitely have. And that's why I like meeting other people, even like not necessarily here, but just in the business, it's good because everyone struggles. So it's always good to find someone else who I feel like who you look up to, you know, and I do have somebody that I look up to that I talk to her and vent and she's also here with Lamakia and she to me I, I like want to be like her when I grow up like she's amazing I think technically if we're looking at the timeline she was our last podcast guest I think or she was. two podcast yes. guests ago so we're talking about Angela Harkin so Angela thank you yes um, thank you Angela <laughs> she's the best so um and she actually told me when I did the podcast with her that she was excited to talk to you because she wanted to learn from you so again humbling that's, moment for you that's that like crazy. the person that you look up to is actually looking up to you a little bit too yep. to give you some you know to get some advice and stuff like that so I'm excited for that um all right I want to dive into a couple of the things that have worked for you. We had a quick discussion here at the beginning. So we talked social media. We talked about dials. We talked about postcards and billboards. So start at the beginning. Let's talk social media for a minute. I know you and I have had a lot of deep discussions about yes. even at like five in the morning. Um, I texted her one morning. I'm like, I'm sorry if this is too early. She's like, nope, not too early. I'm already up, which I should have known that. Um, but so we've had some deep discussions about social media. And I know that you've put a lot of emphasis into Instagram lately. So tell me how that's going for you tell the audience kind of what things you're focusing on and like how that how that's kind of panned out for you over the last few months yeah so I was never honestly an Instagram person I'm I'm in my 40s like my kids make fun of me because I'm like they're like mom that's so stupid and I'm so I what I what I learned was just kind of going to different trainings whether they're here or wherever it's like you you have to kind of do what other people are doing. Like that's the thing. And you know, whether I'm 40, 50, 60, 90, I have to do the things that's going to help me with my business. I cannot wait till you're 90 doing reels. That's going to just <laughs> literally. <make me> happy. <laughs> I'm going to, <laughs> um, 
But I basically, I kind of scroll and I would look at other realtors, whether they're here or like all over the country. And I, it's called R&D. So I would yeah. basically, you know, kind of like rip off yeah. and duplicate what Emulate. you're doing. Emulate? Yes. Imitate. Imitate. Imitate sounds bad too. Imitate, yes. <laughs> but but the thing is, there's so, like, I try to find... Be inspired real, by. It's, there you it, go. It's inspiration. inspiration. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> but and it's not like I'm completely, like, ripping their stuff of off. Not. It's just more of, like, it's the ideas. Because I feel like I think all of us struggle about what am I going to talk about? What am I going to do? And I, you know, you kind of follow the market. So obviously you want to make sure your reels are about the market or what's happening. You can't talk about like interest rates are so low today. You know what I mean? So, you know, you have to just kind of pay attention to that. And then I just kind of find people that I feel like are like me and I try to imitate what they're doing. And, you know, it's definitely helped me, but I think that it's kind of like a mixture as well. I do, if you see my Instagram, I put a lot of like my personal family stuff because like I, my, my kids are important to me and like my dogs and it shows that you're a human being. Yeah. And I'm human. And, and I want to work with people who want to work with me and who are like me because at the end of the day, all of my clients do become my friends and it's not, you're not a transaction. You're a person absolutely, and it's a relationship. So I want somebody who I, I'll call them in a year or two years and five years and, and we can catch up. You know what I mean? So I think that just my Instagram, like I, I try to make it educational. I try to make it fun. I try to make it funny and personal. Yep. And it's I definitely really knock mix. off other people's because I feel like that's, well, I mean, when, that's I, what they, when I run out of ideas. And honestly, those people that you're emulating and you know they did it they did the same thing yeah like that's pretty much what content is it's just you see an idea you go with it like that's what trending stuff is so like you're taking what someone else has done and you're doing it for yourself so like there's nothing wrong with that and I don't think I think sometimes it becomes overwhelming to an agent that they think I have to do reels and I have to be so creative and it's like really don't just like look and see what you like and then don't do the dancing if you don't want to dance yeah don't do the you know voiceover if you don't want to do that like if you don't want to do those kind of things you're that's fine um but do something and definitely be on reels specifically. Yeah. We've put such a big emphasis into it because it is literally the only place that people are seeing content now on Instagram. So if you are on Instagram, that's where you have to kind of be at this point. So and make everything a video. I mean, really even, and I learned from a training about live photos can then be made into the video. So it's like, you don't necessarily have to have yourself on the camera. A reel isn't necessarily about you. If you are uncomfortable being by yourself, have somebody with you. You know, find another agent, find a friend, a family member, somebody who's willing to, you know, be that person in the video with you because I just think putting it out there. I've gotten so many clients from referrals from people that I don't even really connect with necessarily on Instagram, but that will say, oh, so-and-so gave me your name. And I'm like, what? Who you know, is that? And then, but Thank I'll you. Re- yeah, I'm like, this is great. So yeah. people are watching them and it's like, Not everyone, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. Yep. And that's totally fine. Let's take a quick break to hear from Dave Carolee, the master of objection handling, as he teaches you how to overcome buyer and seller concerns. All right, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, you know, I can certainly understand looking at what's happened to rates can be a little frustrating and may, it sounds like maybe second, causing you to second guess potentially buying a home now. And and look, I'm not going to force you to purchase a home. I'll be just fine, but but I kind of want to talk through a few things with you. Number one, I know you mentioned so far you're renting, right? And your rent's about $2,000 every month. So if you wait another year to purchase, that's about $24,000 in money you're certainly going to lose. 
right? Equity, you're certainly paying for a landlord. No way you're, you're getting that money back. So think about that part of this. Also think about what if rates go up another percent? What if they go up another half of a percent? What's that gonna do to your mortgage payment every month? One thing you can do and one thing you may wanna think about, if you purchase a home now and rates go down, you just refinance. If you purchase a home now and rates go up, fast forward a year, you're gonna be glad you did and you're really gonna feel like you win because rates are gonna be higher than where they are now. Also think about these increased rates, what it's done to the number of buyers you're competing with. When we were looking for homes in February, you were one of 10, 15, 20 offers. You know, to seriously be considered for the home, many buyers were waiving a lot of their contingencies, not doing a home inspection. So how about now? Instead of 10 offers, maybe there's one or two. Instead of having to go 100,000 over asking, maybe we can go asking or potentially even a little bit below. That wouldn't have been possible earlier in the year. So I, I you know, I'm certainly not gonna force you to buy a home, but I think you should at least consider keeping looking. Thanks, Dave. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so let's move into um, dials because you would talk to me about how you do some, you called it circle dialing. Yes. So explain what that is and explain how you've done it and what's how that's worked for you. Yeah, so like I said, when I came here, being brand new, not really having done this again on my own, I thought about what's something that a lot of people maybe don't do or are uncomfortable doing. So I, and the team I was on, we did a lot of, um, we did do a lot of like phone calls. So I was, I was already a little bit comfortable with the phone. So I will say that sometimes I know people are uncomfortable about it, but the way I look at it is I'm calling basically, whether it's an open house or if I have a potential buyer looking at a specific neighborhood, um, I have a, like a dialer account which, you know, again, cost me money, but it's pennies compared to like the business I've gotten. And I basically just, my mindset with it is I'm just calling somebody and just, you know, they're going to pick up the phone. They're going to either talk to me. They're going to hang up on me. They're not going to pick up the phone. They're going to be mad. They're going to be happy. Like, it's okay. Like, I don't let, I don't, it's reje- if you get rejected, it's okay. Like I don't let any of that stuff bother me because to me, every no is closer to a yes. Mm-hmm. And it really takes one, one person to answer, one person to be nice, and, or one person to refer me, or one person who wants me to come over to list their home. So that's kind of why I think doing the circle dialing has helped me. Um, when I do have like when I do have an open house on my own, or if I'm working on somebody else's open house, I will call a few days before just say, "Hey, we're having an open house at One Two Three Main Street this weekend." You know, we find that you, as a neighbor, probably know somebody, friend or family, who might want to live in this neighborhood. So we always like to call to let you know that you might see a lot of traffic, and also find out if you know of anybody, and also want to invite you if you want to come a little a couple yeah. minutes early. You know, and then sometimes they'll either they'll talk with you or sometimes they'll hang up on you. And then what happens is if they start to talk to me, I'll basically go into like, well, why do you love this neighborhood? Like, what are your favorite things? It's research, if anything. And that's kind of how I go about it. It's not like I'm not salesy. I am not a salesperson. I know I sell real estate. I am absolutely not a salesperson. I'm a person. So I'll say to them, hey, like, what do you love about this neighborhood? And then my other thing that I do after that is I will actually send them a gift card 
literally I have the note cards with me while I'm making the calls because at that point you're not talking to more like I'm probably not sending more than maybe five and yeah. at a time because not that many people are going to like want to talk to me, yeah. but I'll send them gift cards, like just $5 coffee shop, whatever. And just say, thank you so much for the conversation. I will be there, you know, Friday, whatever, whatever. Love to see you. I've actually had people stop by to like, thank me of for course. the gift cards and then like, and talk to me. And yeah. it's just like, you know, if anyone is listening, that is in the, you know, Northern part of Massachusetts, Southern New Hampshire, if Lisa calls you, make sure you answer yes. because you might have a gift card. You might, yeah, I might buy you a coffee. <laughs> exactly. I love it. So have you gotten deals from that before? I actually have. So I was doing an open house for another agent and I, and that's, that's the other thing too. When you're doing somebody else's open house, I do let them know, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And, um, I called this one woman and she literally was like, Oh, this is crazy that you called. I actually have been thinking about selling my home. And then I said, Imagine well, that. exactly. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, I'll be there Sunday between 11 and one. She said, well, can you come over Sunday at one 30? I said, absolutely. Of course. Sign that listing million dollar Walk like across a, the street. Yeah. Literally it was literally, <laughs> I walked to the house Yeah, and then, um, you know, and it's just like, I feel like people need to do things and you do get, you need to get a little, sometimes it's okay to have get rejected, but it's mm-hmm. always, you know, you're, you're looking for just the one. Yeah. I mean, really it's all about finding the it's one a numbers game. It really is. So, you know, but it has worked. I've gotten a listing. I've, I've actually probably gotten like three at this point from my circle dialing. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't just call about open houses. Sometimes I'll call a specific neighborhood or a specific town about, so if I have a lot of buyers that are looking in a town that's really like hot, I might call them to say, Hey, you know, I have a ton of buyers. Do you know you or anyone, you know, that is interested in, in selling or potentially selling. And then again, you know, you might get, you get a lot of rejection, but that's okay. That's okay. Cause they weren't going to sell anyway. No, they weren't. Or maybe they have someone already and that's fine too. Yeah. Like it is what it is. Yeah. I think a lot of agents or anybody in sales takes rejection as like a really sensitive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you just can't, you no. just can't, you just got to be able to be like, okay, bye. Yeah. Or like <laughs> I laugh when they'll say, they'll, you know, some people like, be like, the heck did you call some me? people be very expletive, vulgar. Expletive, yeah. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Very vulgar. <laughs> and then I'll just be like, they're like, you know, do whatever. And I'm like, thank you. I will. Have a great day. <laughs> you know? And I just, I laugh it off because I'm like, I feel bad for that person who's clearly yeah. that upset and angry because I called you. Like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I would love okay. a recording of the conversation when someone says like, go F. Uh, and then yeah. you say, yep, I will. Thanks. Yeah. Later. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. And I it. actually do. Like I do. Like I laugh about it because yeah. I'm like, and I'll say to people who are afraid of the phone, like people are not going to come through the phone and hit you. They're not going to show There's up at your doorstep. There's nothing they can do. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Like I actually, when I, when the way I prep for my calls is I'll say, okay, how many people are going to tell me to go F off? Yep. How many people are going to be nice? So I, I go for the ones who are like, don't call me again. I hate you. And then yeah. I'm like, this is great. Cause I know it's close. Cause to you're the getting yes. close to the numbers. It's really funny that you say that. Cause I worked at a different sales company like a while back in a different industry, but that's what they would do. They would have a breakdown of like how many, and they would tally based on, okay, this person said, no, that's part of my tally. Yep. And then they would say, okay, well, only two people are going to say yes after, out of like this hundred people that yep. I'm going to call. So they would have their tallies there. And it was almost always like, within just a small margin of error, right? Yeah. Like it was always accurate. So that's really yeah. funny that you say that, like have that idea of how many people are going to say no. Yeah. So you can be like accomplished Aco- yeah. one. No, it's Moving actually, on. I think the stats for this anyways, I think it's one out of a hundred people will say yes. So yeah. again, it's like, if you make a hundred calls, know that you're probably going to get one, one good thing out of it. Yeah. So you're going to have maybe 30 people that don't even answer. Yeah. You're going to have 25 that you 
you know, can leave a voicemail or something yeah. or can't, you know what I mean? Like have some stats yeah. so that that way you're like, okay, that's one for that column. You know, yeah. I love that. All right. So tell me about postcards. I know we have our marketing services here, so we do a lot of the postcard mailings for you, but yeah. I just want to talk strategy because you're the one who drives that strategy with us. Yep. You know, we do some, um, just for the audience. So you guys are aware, we have like some of the girls on my team will send out postcards on the agent's behalf. They pay a service fee for that every month and then they pay for the postcards. But you know, we do just just listed, just sold automatically for whenever you have listings or whenever you have just sold. But then on top of that, there's also monthly mailers to Sphere or Farm or however they want to figure it out. So what is your strategy when it comes to postcards and like, how has that been also working for you? Yeah. So I love postcards as well. And, um, I actually knew nothing about postcards before I came to this company. And so in January of this year, when you, the marketing team started a new postcard campaign, I was like, let me try this because again, not knowing what I don't know, I was like, I'm going to go all in on everything. And so I got, you know, like you said, it's monthly where you guys kind of prep it and everything, but I actually send them my postcards to my sphere of influence. So those people that, you know, know me, like me, want to work with me, I, including my past clients. Um, and then I try to do a farming area. So basically I do, a, I think I upped it to 300, um, like 300 of my neighbors pretty much. Um, which is good. And then I, I have another little lead source that I kind of tapped into. It's just, it's basically someone could like put in like, what's my home valuation. And, but I get, it's a nurtured lead. So I decided recently when talking about changing it up, I decided I was like, I have literally 115 names and I don't know, cause you can't really call them because they don't really know that you're like, it's kind of creepy, yeah. honestly. Like, yeah. I'm like, hey, I know that you checked. Well, I know. I saw that you were on my yeah. website. It's very like, creepy. Oh. <laughs> so I, you can't really call them. And I was, like, trying to figure out how I could obviously still touch these people. That also sounds creepy. <laughs> <laughs> You're making like, it weird, Lisa. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Lisa's world. Yeah. <laughs> can make it all weird. Um, but I, so I kind of send out, I think I'm up to, like, 500 postcards a month that I'm sending out to people. And again, yes, it costs money. But it costs money to make money. And for me, I look at financially, I look at it as if I get one listing out of it, it has paid for itself for the year. Really, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. Literally one commission will pay for my postcards for a year. So I don't look at it like, oh, this costs me money. I look at it as this is making me money. So you're getting a little preemptive glimpse into my training on Friday because we're having the Crush It event down in Florida and yeah. I know you're going to be in attendance, which I'm super excited about. But you know, part of what I was going to talk about is the top five ways that agents can market themselves in this business, not just their listings, but themselves, right? Yeah. And we've talked now about like the website of things and social media, which you're doing, right? We're talking about phone calls and being on the phone with them. So they're hearing about you on the web. They're hearing, hearing about you on the phone. They're also hearing about you in their mailbox. They're also hearing about you in their neighborhood. Either you're wearing the name tag or you're calling the neighbors within the neighborhoods, right? So you are doing all these things so well. And the other, and the last thing that is one of the things I'll talk about on stage on Friday is being present within the community in a big way, which I know you've just recently signed on to do that. So tell us about that a little bit. So, and again, it's, it was, it was kind of odd for me to even like talk about this, but I saw another agent here who had a billboard in, in kind of in my area, if you will. And I was like, Oh, I don't like seeing that. I don't want to see them. I want to see <laughs> I me. I want to see myself. <laughs> yeah. So I opted to do a billboard. Um, and it's in an area that I already farm in. And so for me, it's not like, Hey, I'm on a billboard. Look at me. It's, I want people to be driving and subconsciously see me 
And then they're going to also now see me in their mailbox. And then I might happen to call because I have a potential buyer in their area. So it's really just recognition of my name. And unfortunately, there is another person with my exact same name who's also a realtor who lives in my town. Oh, man. <laughs> and we're, it's good because we've talked about this and it's we're a joke. Yeah. I was an agent first, so I always say to her, I'm like... Please you, tell me she's like blonde or something. No, we actually look alike. Oh, man. My own mother <laughs> saw this girl's sign. And, and she's, she's like, like oh, I saw your listing, like- Lisa. And I was like... That's looked at my mother. I was like, right. mom, did you look at the picture? And she's like, she's like, I didn't even. I'm like, yeah, I can tell. <laughs> because I mean, we, we do have, we do look similar. I'm glad you guys are friendly though. That's Literally. Good. No, yeah. we actually, we do talk to each other. It's like kind of a joke. So, cause she'll get, I get caught actually kind of funny. I've gotten a couple of calls for her Yeah. and then I've gotten a couple of buyers from it cause they're yeah. looking for the listing agent and I'll, Hey, all and is I, fair. And, Guarantee she's getting something And she too. did. I asked her and she yep. said she get, does get calls from me as well. All so. is fair. But that's also why I really do try to push out me and my name because yeah. I want to own, I want to own that. I don't you want to be the more popular Lisa Gray. I do. I want, I want people to <laughs> Google Lisa Gray and it's me. It's yep. not somebody else. Yep. And that's where I think all of this stems back to is like with the billboard, knowing that I, you know, billboard, obviously the, the, with billboards, you have like the marketing, marketing team here, but then the marketing team for the billboard company, they all kind of give you some ideas yep. and they, everyone critiques it. So it's like, I know nothing about what it should look like. And so less is more. And you know, I've had people literally who like send me pictures of my billboard. They're like, oh my God, I just saw you on the billboard. Yay. And it's just like, which is kind of like, it's kind of crazy to see. But again, it's more so just that recognition, knowing that someone's going to see that they're going to get me in the mailbox. They're going to get me on a phone call and they're going to be like, okay, who are you going to think of when you're going to buy your mind. house? Top of mind awareness. Lisa Gray. You're doing it great, my friend. Thank you. So, all right. I want to switch gears. We've talked about marketing, which is great. And I'm sure our audience is like feverishly writing notes. And if you're not, you need to be re-listen and feverishly write some notes. But, um, I want to talk to you really quickly about some, you know, difficult situations in this business. I know we're kind of coming into a time where now, um, you know, more price adjustment conversations are prevalent and more things are happening with sellers that are things you haven't had to deal with in the past, which is definitely going to weed out some realtors. I know that for sure, because it's going to get really, you know, it's going to get more challenging for listing agents, especially, um, And where you have only been in the business since 2018, things have been, you know, pretty good for you as far as those couple years. But I know that you had told me earlier that you are already starting to have some of those conversations about price adjustments you did in the beginning of your career and you're having them again now. So explain to me or explain to the audience how they can kind of overcome some of those difficult things that are coming up with pricing and with sellers in general. Yeah, I think that you have to be confident as an agent first and foremost, because you can't, for me, I think I said this earlier to you, I do not want my sign in a yard for six months because that actually does not look good for me. Like that's, that doesn't look good. I'm not doing my job. My job is to sell somebody's home and help them out. Unless so, it has a sold rider on it. Unless it's, exactly. But <laughs> then it can stay there as long exactly, as it wants. Yeah. Exactly. But a lot of the times what I'm finding now is that I'm trying to really have a really good price conversation at the listing appointment. And honestly, I know it sounds bad because I feel like with the way the market's so tough, everyone just wants the listing no matter what. So some people, some agents will like over, like over promise, like, oh yeah, we can get you X, Y, and Z. Where I'm the opposite, where I'd rather walk away from something knowing that I am not going to change the seller's mind and I'm going to do them a disservice if I take their listing because I know that it's just going to be disappointment. They're going to be mad at me. So I have a couple of sellers now, we're not even on the market yet, who we're not on the market yet because we really haven't come to terms. So we're kind of 
you know, I'm kind of telling them like, hey, I'm just going to talk about your property and see what we can find at this price. Because again, I don't want to put, I don't want to make them upset. You know what I mean? So for me, I just, I'm trying to weed it, weed it out before I even go on the market. Because again, my job is to help sell their house, not to just sit there and have price adjustments because I think it's tough. But I think just being confident and knowing your numbers and knowing knowing your stuff, really. I mean, when you go to your appointment, that and for me, I'm I think I'm overly um, like I bring everything. Like I literally bring so many reports, market reports. I bring comps. I bring, yeah. I bring everything because I think if I give them more information, they're they're more likely to listen to me and understand. And also, it shows that I do know what I'm talking about. Even with my buyers, it's the same thing. Like especially same thing with this market with buyers. It's like you have to bring the reports. You have to bring what's happening because no one's going to believe you unless you show them. Like yep. you know, I'm just a person. Like, they're not going to necessarily believe what I'm saying is yep. true. Yep. So you know, or they're going to try to challenge it. Yeah, and then they, you have proof. Yeah, okay. and they don't really trust you yet. Yeah, they don't trust you. So you know, for me, it's just really about like being educated. You know, being confident and just knowing your value and knowing like what you're willing to do and not to do. So tell me about buyers um, in this market now with things being a little uneven, like you're not sure certain markets are still getting over asking and then some markets are like, they're not getting that anymore. So tell me how you handle it with buyers when you're putting in offers to make sure that you kind of balance that a little bit. Yep. And as I said, I'm licensed in both Mass and New Hampshire. So both states are actually pretty different. So I feel like New Hampshire is kind of a little bit um, like the margin's a little bit smaller, but you still don't know what it is. So what I've been utilizing a lot with my buyers is escalation clauses. And so for those that don't know what an escalation clause is, you know, I always say to my buyers, like, listen, I, this house is going to probably appraise around, let's say we'll just use 500 for example, this house is probably going to appraise around 500. However, it, you know, I don't really know if it's going to sell for 525, 35, 45, 50. So, you know, how much do they love the house? So if, if they say to me, like, I want this house, I don't want to lose it, but I don't want them to put all their eggs in the basket. I'm going to utilize an escalation clause. So we're basically going to say, let's say it's listed at 475. I know it's probably going to sell around 500, but I know they're willing to go to like 515. We'll say, okay, we'll offer 500 and we'll do an escalation clause. And I always do odd increments. So I'll do like 2750, 3250, because most agents will do 1,000, 1,500. So I kind of make it an odd number. It's a good strategy, yeah. So basically, that way I'm saying to the client, listen, we're not going to put all your eggs in the basket yet, but we want to be aggressive and competitive. So let's go this route. And then with the escalation clause, that other agent has to actually show you that competing offer. So if they get an offer for, you know, we offered 500 up to 515, but they get an offer 509, they have to show me that offer. They can't just say, oh, yeah, yeah. Because got- that, oh, yeah, no, it's higher. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I have to see it. And I'll say, okay, that's great, but I'd like to see the redacted copy of the offer, which just means that they cross out the person's name and all their personal information, yep. and we just know what the terms were. So, And it's honestly helped me, I'd say, in the, my last three instances of offers accepted, it's worked. Yeah. You know, and another thing I actually do that I forgot to mention to you earlier is I also, if we're not utilizing an escalation clause, I just put in buyer will counter any other offer. So listing agents will call me just, just to, to find see out if you can get the counter. What I mean. It's so smart. Like what I mean, like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, well, we'll counter any other offer. Let's chat. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and then, and that's also helped me when a couple of, you know, of, of offers for my buyers because of that. Yeah. So I just think it's you know, kind of being unique and being a little bit different and kind of don't be afraid 
you know, again, it's kind of like going back to circle dialing. Do not be afraid of rejection. Do not be afraid of no. Do not What's be afraid. What's the worst thing that happens? They say no. <laughs> or someone yelling at you. It's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, your clients, whether they're your sellers or your buyers are going to appreciate you. Yep. And they are the ones who are going to love you for it and refer you for it. So, well, this has been an, like knowledge packed, which is awesome. So I, like I said, I hope that there's pages and pages of notes on every listener's notebook right now. Um, or if you're driving, make sure later you're writing all those notes down. Um, but I was going to joke and say, I feel like it's like Lisa Gray's ADD in her head because it's no, like, I do so many different so, things. Yeah, but that's so good. You're in so many different places yeah. and you have some really good information that you're, this has been awesome. So last thing that I want to always ask is what kind of advice would you give to someone who has been in the business maybe the same amount of time as you have, but hasn't had this kind of jump in sales? Um, what would you tell them? What would be your advice to that person? I think that again, I I'd say the same thing. Do not be afraid of rejection and you have to get out of your comfort zone and you don't know if something's going to work unless you try. And so in and try as in don't just give up after one no or one rejection, like keep on trying, keep on going for it because you know, you, ha- you just never know. And also like your mindset, I think is super important. That's the other thing, which we didn't talk about, but I always wake up and I try to find something to look forward to, something to be positive about, even when, trust me, there's days where I'm like, oh, but it's I just, not the day I tr- exactly. <laughs> but I just try to be grateful and, and know that like, let's try to turn it around. If it's, you're having a bad day, Go with other people, you know, meet somebody else who, you know, is maybe not struggling, you know, find that, you know, find your yin and yang, you know what I mean? So the support. I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. I am so, so grateful. I know. Right. Well, I mean, you shouldn't be because after listening to all this, like I should have had you on a while ago. Um, (laughs) so, so thank you very much. Um, if you guys want more information about Lisa, we are going to put in the show notes, all the links to all her different social media. You can go watch all her reels. You can see all her stuff. Um, and that way you can get a little bit more familiar with her. And I know she's the kind of person that would be happy to answer any questions. So we'll put some contact in there, info in there for her as well. So you can reach out and just say, what's working for you now. Um, so thank you guys. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really appreciate it. And thank you guys all for listening. If you haven't done so yet, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. So you never miss one of these awesome agents who crush it in real estate. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Agents Who Crush It in Real Estate podcast. We hope you learned some valuable takeaways. Be sure to take action and grow your business. You can check out the episode notes and more content from the show at crushitinre.com slash podcast. And if you like this episode and want to hear more stories, please share with others. Post on social media or leave a rating or review. To catch the latest from Anthony, follow him on Instagram at Crush It In Real Estate on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.